You're listening to a Count Out Podcast. everybody welcome back to another episode of independent waters i am your host mikey manfredi and joining me as always is the the other host of this show zach batista zach how are you doing my man i'm doing fantastic today especially since we've got a little bit of a special episode going on today we do we have a very special guest on today's episode of independent waters we have the weapon of sass destruction the princess of the pump handle slam wrestling's own daddy give it up for effie oh my god i love these introductions <laughs> i don't do them as much anymore because like i i want to steal as much as i can from elvis because he stole so much from other people <laughs> so i just started doing this is effie like i don't do a hometown i don't do a weight i don't do a height i do no factual information i just present the information as generally as possible mm. this is effie and so I'm, I'm forgetting these times where I was a tad more creative and had these fun little nicknames to throw at myself. <laughs> well, I mean, Effie is Effie. There is nothing like Effie in the, in the entire world of wrestling at all. And My dad doesn't think I should be alive. <laughs> I tell him stuff sometimes, and he's like, you've survived death far too many times. <laughs> oh my! I love it. And I think, like, looking at my schedule up ahead, I'm going to have to survive death a few more times. And not even always in the ring, but just, like, Sometimes getting there is half the battle. Uh, with, yeah. Yeah, with the snowstorm and stuff blowing through, it seems like nature is just against everyone at this point. Dude, Donnie Janella drove my ass through the night, through a snowstorm, back from Fight Forever. It was intense. Oh, God, yeah, you were you were up for a while in Fight Forever. I was up from 4.30 a.m. that Friday until 9 a.m. that Sunday. Jesus. Just, you know, and once we left the show, we left the, we left the location that this was at about you know, 5.30 or so mm -hmm. after handling some business uh, and didn't even get to stay for the entire show, streamed some of it in the car and just drove through the night and, and like barely got home by 9 a.m. so everybody could get to Presbyterian Church and it was, it worked. We survived. Sounds like a I was up a long time. I don't even know what the total hourage is on that. You know, I'm thinking 4.30, 4.30, there's a 4.30, 4.30, so there's a 48 mm -hmm. and that's like, that's like a 50, that's like a 50, that's like a 53 or so. Something like that, yeah. That's like a strong 53 of just, and I tell you this, pure insanity and just losing my brain. I mean, I, you could tell with the uh, the match you have with Dick, uh, Dick the um, the match at the Billy end. Dixon? Yes. Oh, my God. I loved, I didn't give a fuck Effie at all. I was all for that. <laughs> I think, yeah. I, I think uh, after that, and I don't know if you've had the chance to view it yet, but with my life, with my, my life, my match was still life with Evergods and Pears. I'm letting people know that in 2021, not only have I lost my mind, but I'm still having a good damn time. It's just at the expense more of you now, uh, if you're in the ring with me, because I just, I don't give a shit anymore. I'm, I'm wild. I'm 30. 
I'm uh, having more fun than I've ever had in my life, and I'm just throwing people around. It's fantastic. That's that's awesome. That's the, I feel like that's the best way to approach this. Just like I'm gonna do, I'm gonna have the best time I possibly can in that ring, and then we're gonna it's gonna be great. Yeah, everyone's gonna love it. Let's do the most and the most exciting, and let's fuck them up a little bit. Let's fall down the staircase, you know? Oh, oh my god. god. That- that spot scared the crap out of me. I was like, I good. really I, hope that he didn't. I, oh god, I hope he's he's okay. <laughs> you know, I and like, it. I had to dodge the cameraman because I didn't give them warning. I had to get out of their way. Oh my god! And so, really, it probably would have been a more dangerous stair bump had they not been following me up the stairs. Mm. We'll we'll give them a little more warning next time. But uh, <laughs> as I mentioned before, I think I mentioned it on Twitter. I don't know. I left my Apple Watch on because I was just, like, taking it on, putting it off to do different things during the show. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it was on. And, like, Billy threw me out of the ring. And I was like, oh, shit, I'm about to fall down the stairs. I probably should not wear a piece of technology on me like this. So I took that off and tucked it behind the stairs and then fell down the stairs. So I was actually pretty responsible if you consider it. Yeah, you see me. I like how you hit the whole thing. You were like, oh, no. Oh, let me just. Okay, now now I'm going to yeah, down Now the it's okay to throw my body downstairs. Yeah. After running on like a dit, not even any rest at all, I was like, oh, shit, that's a bad idea. Let me just. All right. You may throw me down just... the steps now. Yeah, it was, uh, but it's one of those things where you go, okay, our fans have been watching 20 hours of wrestling or whatever. They're going to watch even more wrestling. There's a lot of exhibition. One thing I know me and Billy can pull out of each other that is not as relative in wrestling is some raw fucking emotion. And sometimes to capitalize on those emotional moments, you need an exclamation point. You need something wild. I've seen all kinds of stunts. I've seen the staircase used. I've seen all kinds of tables and crazy things. So, you know, what's going to put you in the position to really fuck people up? It's a Buster Keaton down the goddamn staircase (laughs) to make sure that, you know, 10 in the morning after people have been up all night, they're like, oh, God, oh, this is what's still happening here. Mm -hmm. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. Just keep them keep them hooked if they've been watching so long and they're tired. Just just wake them right back up with that one. Take them to the sky, baby. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Uh, So, so you, you, we, we were talking about the big gay brunch and, uh, like, with shows like that, the fact that it's, like, it's your show, but also it's under, like, the GCW banner, how much, like, like control do you have over a show like that? Like, for stuff like this, for stuff like uh, Effie's Big Gay Brunch coming up in Tampa as well, uh, Big Gay Brunch, last, or, you know, before Gestures at World, <laughs> um, like, what's it, what's it, like, what, what have you learned about being, like, a promoter from stuff like that, you know? Yeah, uh, so number one, it is... The most demanding task, and it is it, it is absolutely rewarding. It is absolutely worth it. It is mm-hmm. so demanding of me personally because, like, I have so many friends in the world of wrestling. If you ask people about me, like, I'm always down to hang out. I'm always down to chill. I'm always down to, you know, make new friends. You know, I'm not just there to do the match. It's someone told me one time, they said, look, your match is tw- a 20-minute segment. You've got 23 and a half other hours in the day to work with you know, enjoy yourself while you're out there. And I think once you get comfortable in the world of wrestling, once you get comfortable with calling a match with putting things together, with knowing what you're going to do, spending the rest of that time with people, you develop good friendships with people, you develop good rapport. And so the toughest thing I think is been balancing, not only are we in a pandemic, so I'm asking people to come take a little bit of a risk, although tested, although requiring of masks, although at minimal capacity, although outdoors, You still want to put people in your corner that you go, hey, you know, I know we have a trust level here. 
you know, and it's not necessarily even a friendship thing with that. It's a trust level of professionalism. It's a trust level of knowing they're going to do what they need to do and knowing I don't have to worry about them if I put them in that position. You know, everybody likes Martin Scorsese as a director, but the man makes mob films, right? But he mm -hmm. brings in actors that he knows can do the job so that he can kick back and go, I know the structure. I know the story I'm telling. Let me just make sure everything's in place because these people are professionals who are going to do such a good job. So it's easy to slap my name over the front of it and call it this and whatever, which there have been old WrestleMania shows that we don't even need to bring up where it has just been like a name slapped on and they book it themselves the way they would want to. But with this, it has been an entirely collaborative process with me and with GCW. And I think during that time, it has helped GCW find new people to use that they may not have been paying attention to before. And I think you're going to see with, the Acid Cup coming up that's going to be a part of the collective with my show, with Alley Cat show, with a lot of these shows, more of that crossover and more of that talent of, you know, people, it's it's crazy the expectations that people put GCW to who don't actually give any money or watch GCW. They hold them to this insane scale, which is, oh, well, they have a gay show now, but are they going to use the gay people regularly? Yeah, we are. Because what you discover mm -hmm. is, these people have, they have the, the it factor. They have the charisma. They have the power. They may not have just been given the platform yet. And what I've always hounded on about GCW, every time I talk about GCW, it's that it's so adaptable and willing to shift with what is current and what is with the time. Why do you think that GCW is funneling everybody into NXT and AEW? Why do you think that we are providing them with all of their television stars out of GCW? It's not my skill. It's not me doing it. It's the fact that we're, as GCW, usually a little ahead of the trends and are willing to shift with things and not go, well, no, you know, at, at JJPCROW, that's not the way we've done things. And y'all know that the Pony Boy is the champion and y'all know that we got to run this for three months. It's like, instead of playing that whole bullshit game, GCW is willing to go, what is working right now? What are people into? What are people going to come to? And what are people going to be able to like have a grip with because it's very easy to make things flashy and add a budget and add HD and add holograms and add new cameras and 4k and 8k but to actually have a grip with the consumer to have a grip with the fan to have uh, them feel like they are getting rewarded for their their spend and not being cheated or being tested of their patience or being tested of their BS it's like there is there is motive to listening to the people who are out there, and GCW has been willing to do that. And seeing these different shows find levels of success, whether it's AJ Gray booking a show, which like if you if anyone out there thinks that AJ Gray is being told no once he presents ideas, you're very incorrect because AJ comes and he goes, "This is the show we're going to do," and you go, "That's a great show," and he goes, "I know we're going to do it." <laughs> and so with me, it was like I wanted to collaborate with Brett, and I wanted to almost like prove to myself a little bit. Since I'm slapping my name on it, since I'm going to put my whole, you know, big fucking face on the thing, at least show that there is a success rate here that hasn't been messed with before, that there have been LGBTQ shows. There have been these shows that are, you know, this, but there hasn't been that GCW attitude and that don't give a fuck and that power kind of let's push through all this shit spirit. And I think when people are watching the shows we're putting on using these gay talents, it's not like a delicate like, oh, look, the gay people are here. Let's all, should we give them a ribbon? Should we, should we get, do we do this now? It's, oh my God, they're fucking nuts and wild. And we've been missing out by not paying attention. And we may have categorized them as something and they categorize themselves on this show. But that's sort of the tongue in cheek is, yes, we're all these LGBTQ wild wrestlers, but we're also just like damn good performers. And so to slap my face on it, I know people have strong opinions about me. 
Brett knows people have stronger opinions about me, good or bad. And the more I talk, luckily, people understand that I'm actually kind of just a chaotic good who's not fully prepared for anything, but is really gunning <laughs> for it. Um, but using that and getting to give a platform to these new new people and old people who've come through and re-shown themselves to the world, it's like, I feel like I've said a lot at once, but yeah. it all needs to be said because it's all truthful and it's all like, it's a big part of where we're mm-hmm. going with this. Facts. Okay. Mm. Chaotic, chaotic good who's uh, unprepared for stuff coming ahead sounds like all of my D&D characters. I feel like I've had this method in my life, and D&D is a great way to look at it. I'm glad, glad you said that, Mikey. Love D&D. Because <laughs> I've been preparing for any kind of journey and any kind of situation, and I live every day like, well, if this was an amazing race challenge and I was really in a race around the world to handle some business, how would I deal with it? And I am, listen... I'm ready for anything, but I'm totally unprepared. Like, I'm never going to have the right equipment to do anything, but I will always MacGyver the situation and make it work, even if it involves, like, me doing some fake tears and, like, pretending I need to use an elevator to sneak past the security. (laughs) You know? Like, it's it's Uh, all up for grabs when you're out there just mm -hmm. making it work. Take the bull by the horns and go for it, basically. Go for it. And just hope the dice rolls good. <laughs> oh, man. No more dice rolling. We're putting gambling behind me. I can't keep Fair doing enough. shows in Atlantic City and, and think it's okay for me to gamble. Oh it's an interesting Fair. conversation to come home with. Yeah, so I want to... You, you mentioned the there was a big, a big talk about how GCW sets people up for going to NXT and AEW and the major promotions and stuff like that. Um, so with, with major companies signing a lot of indie talent, uh, some people are like, oh, indie's losing all their big stars. How are they going to stay afloat? Blah, blah, blah. But like, how, like, how has indie wrestling like stayed relevant and how do you make, how does an indie scene like create new stars to, to be in that spotlight to, to bring people into the indie wrestling scene, you know? This is where I have to decide, like, how much tea y'all can get. And I'm, like, kind of in a mood for tea. Because, like, the facts are on the table that the same players are still involved. The same players are going to tell you this. And I'm going to tell you right now, it's no secret. If you put yourself in any type of position to get signed over the next year or so, they will sign you. And it's not because there's so much opportunity. Like, I've said it before and I'll say it again. I love all my friends getting contracts. People can doubt that. People can dispute that. I am always in the corner of labor getting paid. I want to see them get as much as is made off of them to, you know, a reasonable degree. A much more reasonable than it is now. But... When you are signed to a major billion dollar company and within two to three weeks of your signing, you are already on television. And this is not a one person scenario. You are already filling slots on major TV spots. You are already in the zone for that. When they have hundreds of people that they have signed through their performing centers, when you look even across the pond at AEW, there are a lot of people signed to their contracts. There are also independent contractors. I don't believe there's a lot of health insurance being involved. Through there, I think there are some options. It may be a better involvement. Mm. Um, but they're also bringing the indie people in and giving them the paydays. And they're going to lock people down as well because this is a time to lock people down. The, the rights uh, for television, for streaming, they're all changing with the internet. And so what they're trying to do now is make sure they have their players locked in so that whatever happens, whatever platforms they have to go to, whatever means they have to create, they have enough talent to balance across all these different circumstances and all these different ways that the media is going to change. Will you be used? No. Will you make more than you'd make on the indies? Probably. Now, me, 
I did fine, and I don't have to get into specific numbers, but I can say it took a lot more out of me, a lot more different quadrants, a lot more chunks of different ability that I have to use to get to that same place. But when you say GCW is set up to be this sort of leaping ground, I think we're both, we're all looking at each other really backstage now, and we've had many talks, and it's been very serious of what is making this jump so fast? And it's because we've instilled inside of, unfortunately, sometimes the wrestlers in our business are more commodities than anything else. And instead of realizing that, it's very easy to dress it up with a bow and tell them you're getting your dream, your dreams come true, here's your dream. It's WrestleMania in front of a Zoom call. And you don't really look at the uh, measurement of a, you're thinking Kurt Angle, uh, you know, Kurt Angle, Brock Lesnar, WrestleMania 19. I'm thinking, is or was that 20? Was that 20? Um... Doesn't matter. Uh, I, 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 I'm, I'm not sure. When I think of that, I think of like the festival of festivals. Look at the people. It's all mm. this moment, the vibration. In the reality we're in now, you're signing for much, 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 much less than either of them would have ever taken to do a match on television. And you are doing it in front of a Zoom call instead of a rowdy audience. And you can believe whatever you want about the viewership, the increase, you know, the internet stuff. The problem we run into now is indie wrestling believes the same hype that they've been fed from these big promotions, which is you're a stepping stone. So you get a couple people with a few dollars who invest in. You get a lot of wrestlers who are never quite paid enough to make th things work. And then mm -hmm. they bite at the first thing that's thrown in their mouth. And I see it not only with contracts of, uh, uh, you know, cable professional wrestling. I see it with contracts that are all over the place, whether it be to use your likeness, whether it be to use you on uh, different things. And it's not that we don't deserve these things and it's not exciting when you don't get offered them, but presenting to a wrestler with a bit of an ego that they may not be signing the best contract for themselves when they sign over all the rights and exclusivity to their character without a promise of necessary pay just to say you were a part of something that sounds like a bucket list item. And I'm not going to go into more specifics than that. Mm -hmm. You are going to lose when it comes down to the, the lay of the law. And there's nobody in your corner after that. Once you sign over your likeness in that manner, they can do anything they want. They can do shirts, pencil holders, cups, put you, you know, put you on the cover of a magazine, or they can choose to do nothing with you and then sue you down the line for selling yourself. These sound crazy, but what we have to do now on the independent level is go, maybe the big guys aren't our friends. Maybe we use them to help us out a little bit. It was good. It was a great time. But maybe they're not here to help us. And maybe if we take care of and share the secrets, because I tell you, when I was getting real hot in wrestling, like no one shared shit and you have to dig mm -hmm. and find shit. And this is only a few years ago. And so it's like, if we can create these paths and we can really show people how to do it, I just want the question to be a little more difficult when it comes up. Hey, you know, GCW, what do you have for me? I have an offer from these companies. I want to know what you've got planned over the next few months. We are running storylines. There are big things going on. There are, there are things that were derailed. There are things that were shifted. You know, there are things that we're trying to, but to go to these companies that are right now, like I, I, I told my dad, this is the only way I'll put it. I told my dad, I said, dad, I said, Sting and Goldberg are back. And he goes, what? And I go, yeah, Sting and Goldberg are back. And my dad's a big Jim Crockett fan, was a big WCW mm -hmm. fan. And he goes, well, what are they doing? And, and I go, well, dad, they're going to wrestle. They're going to fight. And he goes... Son, I've, I, I don't even do any sports, and I'm younger than them, and I look horrible, and I look horrible. I'm an old man. He goes, no one needs that. And was just being honest with me, and it's like, yeah, you're correct, but that we don't, instead of listening to the consumer, what we've chosen is, and it may do a little spike for him, but we're still talking about, man, we did 700K versus 700K, and I'm coming and whispering, and no one wants to fucking hear it. I'm going... 
Hey, I did 235,000 unique viewers to my show on Wednesday during a two-hour period. It wasn't 700K, but when y'all are down this much tenfold over year over year from 1998, 99, 2000, where these booms were, when you're down that much and I'm catching up on my own without anybody in my ear and I'm showing what I want to show and mm -hmm. people are latching on and I've got Twitch calling me going, your retention rate is insane because you're knowledgeable about the subject, you're willing to explain to people what's going on, and you lead them in without the burden of needing to know. We have these ways and these platforms that are opening to us now, but it's it's giving up that concept of what we think wrestling is supposed to be, what we think the hierarchy is supposed to be, what we think the steps are supposed to be, and venturing into these weird things where our success may not look the same, but like acknowledging that history shifts things, acknowledging that media is adapting, acknowledging that these changes are happening. All of these are bigger steps to say, we don't want to be a stepping stone on the Indies anymore. There are big things coming. I think, you know, in the next two or three years, once these vaccines get through, once this slowness is done, we're really going to see a boom in enjoyable live events. And people are going to have choices on what they're going to see. And if we can give them the scope of what independent wrestling is and they can come have cheap beer and yell and see the dad character and see me in pantyhose and see women beating each other up and seeing crazy things they never thought possible that is at an affordable price and that is easy to follow along with we are going to be able to grow the business more than any cable slot or peacock stream or whatever other bullshit streaming service deal there is because there's <laughs> 300,000 of them now i've subscribed to all of them and if i'm not subscribed i can get it on the internet it's all available. How do you lead a consumer to what they want? How do you get them off that couch and say, look how much fun you can have if you just come yell with us for a while? Because mm. that's the way we build our money. There are wrestlers who walk around and they're like, oh my God, I'm worth $7,000 or whatever. You got to pay me $7,000. And you look around the room and you go, there's 200 people here and 30 of them came to see that guy and it's not you. And he got paid a hundred bucks. So there's not this normal measure right now, but there's an honesty that we can broker with wrestling and with wrestlers to say, if you really want to get over and get on the stage, instead of treating it like this, think of how many people you could get to a show near you and what that would do to boost the nature of your little promotion. These promotions aren't built on anything other than reputation and, and constantly being able to provide the goods to people. If you can provide the goods and you can tell people about it, you can gain that reputation quickly. We all have the internet. More companies like that where people are willing to put into the work on the ground level and do the work and build up that way versus, hey, if I drive, drive 12 hours, they'll give me 30 bucks, but I might get seen and might get a tryout one day and could you know go down to the PC shifting that is difficult and it mm -hmm. puts people in a position mm -hmm. to do for themselves instead of waiting for a rub or waiting for something else but it's it's something that's going to be necessary for us to get to that next stage i'm sorry i'm just rambling but this is like real. oh no, no that's this, okay. is, this is real life nobody awesome. else talks about this shit we have to talk about it's it. I, fountain of, sorry, I was gonna say it's just a fountain of knowledge here from you like just from like your perspective and how like it's just it's crazy but it's you are right. Like, you guys are... The independent wrestling scene, and this is also mainly because Mikey got me into the independent wrestling scene, is just its own beast now. It's becoming its own beast. It's becoming united. And it's really great to see it grow as its own product, not just as a stepping stone for, like, the bigger companies up above. It's great. Yeah, that's... That's the that's the fun part about indie wrestling, right? Is that you, you see stuff you're not going to see on TV, and it's just so... It's just something so special 
about the indie wrestling scene and you described you described getting cheap beer and yelling and just being with people and i started tearing up because god i miss it so much i I just miss being in the atmosphere of a wrestling show well i mean like like, any live show here's a microscopic view of it that i can talk about now because none of it really exists anymore but like fip which was like the subsidiary of evolve that would run out of florida cheaply Mm -hmm. used to book me in tampa all the time and they wouldn't book me because Evolve liked me or was going to use me or any of that. That's not what they booked me. They booked me because they were booking a show in a bar in downtown Ybor City with drunk-ass Tampa people. And they knew I could get them riled up and excited. And then they'd be surprised when the rest of these matches, which were like very storyline. And there were a lot of matches that were crazy. But unless you were giving that crazy and giving that over the top... They weren't here to see the next Evolve title storyline. They weren't here to follow all these little weird promos. They were here to drink and see wild wrestling and go for it. And when you gave them that, they ate it up. And they didn't want to admit it and didn't want to figure it out. But, like, there was a reason I was put in that spot. And it's not because they wanted me necessarily. But they knew I had utility. And so, like, we have to just continue showing, especially as LGBTQ wrestlers, Mm -hmm. not only are we talented and fun and our fans like us, we have a utility beyond just our fan scope and we have a utility to have a spirit in wrestling that isn't necessarily always there. And like, is a, is a more, I'm not saying it, it has to be, you know, less serious, but I do think that we have to at least pay attention to our audience because sometimes we're going for things that are so avant-garde MMA and no one gives a fuck. No one gives a fuck except for us. And the minute we can admit that we can make better content Mm. altogether. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you, 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 you brought up the, the, the fact that the LGBTQ representation, and we just, we have a question where, do you think major promotions are re- properly representing minorities, queer people, LGBT, LGBT, LGBTQ people? And like, do you think they're doing that properly? And if they're not, why should they? And like, what's the importance of the representation in wrestling as a whole? Yeah, I think you've seen a big shift, especially at WWE, where it, it, they're using it more and more. And and mm-hmm. it, I think sort of the problem is, number one, you need people in leadership positions who are women, who are black people, who are gay people, who are trans people, because they're going to actually understand how to push things forward in a respectful, tasteful way. But until they mm-hmm. make those steps, what we're running into at all levels of professional wrestling is... and. With the women, it's a little bit different because they've seen the financial increase of using women. And it's incredible because the women have been able to leverage that perfectly and have shown to a spotlight. I mean, you look at who's been really holding down the Raw and SmackDown storylines over the past two years. Mm -hmm. It's the women. And the women are holding the best main event spots and are holding themselves to the highest level. But that's like, while looking at the whole rest of the picture, they, they, instead of taking a risk and going, okay, well, if we're not going to hire these people in leadership positions to help us understand how to navigate these waters, which can be complicated and are complicated if you're not willing to do the research and learn on your own, instead of doing that, we're going to go for it on our own. But what they're jumping into is, hey, you know, we could take this risk and really go out here and really try to push the lines of storyline or try to get these people uh, represented the way they would see themselves. Uh, but because of that, we're not sure if we'd be stepping on any toes. And instead of learning and figuring it out, what we're going to do instead is sort of um, we're just going to take the cautious approach. And so, you know, like you can you can have kind of a gay name for your finisher, but like don't tell them you're gay. And like you can do like an outside interview for a magazine, but like, you know, we're not probably going to post it or retweet it. And you can it's it's instead of wanting to do more 
and saying, you know what, we've got to take a risk. We've done nothing for so long. We've got to try a little harder. They go, well, the last time we tried, we got bit. Or the last time we tried, it, people yelled at us. And the last time we tried, somebody was mad. It, and it beats you up to a point where you go, well, if I'm not going to change this thing, which, guys, this is the solution. You hire gay people and black people and trans people and all sorts of people. And you yes. have a diverse background. This is beating around all of that. If you're not going to do that, they are scared to make the mistakes again. And because of that... It's not even that they are doing poorly, it's that they are doing nothing at all and navigating it to be like, oh, well, okay, you can be this. And they're like, well, can I talk about like how different it was for me being me growing up? And they're like, well, you can, I don't know, I wouldn't do that. Just talk about how much you want to win and, and you love having fun, Michael, and everybody's having a great time <laughs> and you work so hard and sometimes you believe in yourself, you know, stick to that stuff. And like I said, it has no grip. And so instead of actively working to gain a new audience and gain an audience that now is, unfortunately, what people don't like to admit, our audience and our age and below is a little more apathetic, a little more prone to truth, a little more prone to research, a little more prone to figuring things out. And if you give us something to actually grip onto, we will do it. But if you keep mm -hmm. sliding around it and it stays slippery and you can't quite put a hold on things... That's a fun, presumptive way to not offend anyone, but it's also a way to not have anyone truly pay attention other than seeing it, it's wrestling, cool, mm. oh, they've got one, great, next. You know, does that make sense? Yeah. Is that Yes. They're, they're, too, they're too busy trying to make it easily digestible rather than, like, try, like, rather than trying to do something new and getting burned and learning from it, they're just sticking to what? has worked in the past and it's just stale yeah. at this point when you could be trying something new pushing new talent making these like like new strides and being like putting these making these compelling storylines you know and trying to trying to push different talent but they're just not yeah yeah, yeah. you gotta I and i know and i think they get these new talent but it's like it literally is it's like sometimes getting signed is like rubbing yourself in a bunch of lubricant and i don't mean that in any weird way i mean it in like they sign the person and they go, okay, we'll do the thing you were doing. And they do it and they go, okay, well, we can't do that here. But if you'll do this, this is similar to the thing you were doing. And we have fog machines and we have strobe lights and we have HD holograms. Do that, do that thing, but like, you know, tone that thing down. And then they go, well, why isn't this working? And it's because like they've scraped all the grit off of it. They've scraped all the real off of yeah. it. They've scraped everything away from it. They've put it in the shiniest, most expensive spandex and they're going, why are people, you know, attached to this? Why are people so attached to John Moxley and Dean Ambrose and these concepts? This dude came out in jeans every week and like looked like a goofy dipshit who's been drunk all day and felt real to them and felt like a real human being and wasn't the most glamorous and didn't have the best hairline and was pretty handsome but in a like blue collar like we go to the same racetrack kind of way. And all of that together is like it's a real human being they're seeing and people are surprised when that's the most over guy going who doesn't give a shit, who's laid back, who's chill because there's actually something real there to grip onto. Mm -hmm. And so until mm -hmm. they can see like what they are missing and they put it in front of people, but I think it's like they don't have the self-awareness to truly understand why it gets over the way it does. There's a playfulness to John Moxley. There's a, there's a realness. There's a dark side. There's a hard side. There's all these things. But until you're willing to have all of these roundabouts to your character and be goofy and be silly and be shit on and be ruined and, and be strong, you can't expect people to want to go further with those people. Yeah. You know? Like, you can... Yeah. And, like specifically wwe you can tell when like a person's promo is like not what they would say it's just not genuine at all and like there's just apathy all around about that and you can tell it but like yeah like you said with mox like when he talks about something he really cares about like the thing that makes his character unique real 
you instantly grip onto it and want to like support that man no matter where he goes no matter what he does and wwe just doesn't want to do that no no but you know yeah. what go have an exploding barbed wire match that's my dreams oh that's my a, god I'm, I'm here that's for hey, listen i can say whatever i want that's in, that's incredible what a moment exactly yeah. yeah oh man all right so let's 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 shift it let's shift the topic a little bit because uh other other count out family member ryan knightsey is also from atlanta and he has an emergency he wanted me to address on this <laughs> oh show. my god he has been. He is from Atlanta, and he has been dying for chicken and waffles. And he wants to know where you can get the best Southern comfort food in Atlanta. Okay, so you know, chicken and waffles is one of those things that's a it's a preference. Uh, so for me, if I'm getting chicken and waffles in Atlanta, I'm getting them from the Korean place, um, and I'm trying to remember Sorry. the name of it because I just get it off the uh, thing. Uh, but also. J JR Crickets. JR Crickets has bomb chicken and waffles. Um, where is this place? I wish I could help you, but we're, we are just two Jersey boys. <laughs> oh, Muckjaw. Yeah, Muckjaw Korean fried chicken. Go get Muckjaw. So Muckjaw okay. or or you can go get the uh the other one that I said. Those are great. JR Crickets. Um, but like for the best soul food, uh I go to um Eats. And Eats has this deal on, like, one day of the week where they make chicken lasagna, too. And that shit is, it's $8. And you get a whole container of chicken lasagna and garlic bread. And it's just like, you can't beat an $8 full-to-go container of chicken lasagna. Absolutely delicious. It's unprecedented. Wonderful. Yeah. That's a wonderful thing. Like, I hate a lot of things about the South, but with the the food in the South, I'll never leave. And, like, with the Atlanta (laughs) airport being as good as it is. They've got me. They've got me locked in. <laughs> the Atlanta airport is a wild oh place. Uh, me, Bro. Uh, me, and, me and Zach got... Uh, so, oh. funny story. Me and Zach were going to... Me, Zach, and Ryan Knightsey, who lives in Atlanta, we were going to the collective. But first, we were meeting Ryan in Atlanta. Yeah. Then we were driving from Atlanta to Indy. And we're from Jersey, where we have the Newark airport, which is tiny. So, when we got... When me and Zach got to the Atlanta airport... We were a mess. We were like, oh, why no. is this so big? There's so oh, many places to go. We got lost immediately. Like Mungo. I'm headed there this afternoon. I have the not fun flight, but I'm gonna I'm gonna live through oof. it. Mm. Alright. Oh, oh my god. Yeah, it's if you're ever like, in the Atlanta airport, if we're talking about southern food, in the B terminal, you gotta take the plane train. In the B okay. terminal, oh, the plane there's train. a place called Pascal's in the back left corner of that of that dining area. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, Pascal's will fuck you up on an afternoon. I swear to God, <laughs> oh, shit. good fantastic. to know in case we ever go visit Ryan. Yeah, yeah. Get, get you a quarter dart chicken and some yams and collards, and just like sit in that airport and go. It's gonna be okay. <laughs> it's gonna be All okay. Right. Sweet, sweet. Fuck this flight, but this will be. <laughs> I... be it's gonna be okay. I. <laughs> uh... So we, we, we need to, I feel like, I feel like we should address the big, uh, you know, the big elephant in the room and that's, that's, that's COVID. Oh my God. Uh, Please address COVID. Yeah. So we, 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 it has had such a gigantic impact on just the world in general. The wrestling industry was a huge one. Um, what, like out of all the changes that have happened, like what, like whether it's the lack of crowds or the new, like just like distancing laws or wearing masks or whatever, what has been the most significant in wrestling in general that like maybe people don't like maybe something people don't really like know about and like what's been the most significant for you personally 
I think the most significant, and I think this is a double-edged sword, but it's a necessary thing, is we take the comments of our fans and of participants in professional wrestling online a lot more seriously now. I mean, you look at the beginning of COVID where people were speaking out, people were talking against abusers, people had the time to be at home, to be away from their abusers, to not have to rely on them for a payday, to not have to rely on them for anything, and were willing to speak up and say what they had to say, and so we start looking a little closer, and so... I think there's been like a bit of a washout and a bit of a cleaning up in wrestling. And I think it's also one of those things where like, since we're all at home and since we're all sitting on our ass, all these unbooked wrestlers who are choosing not to wrestle. And I think if you're choosing not to wrestle right now, good on you. We're in a pause. No one's going to care. When we come back, you can come right back. We need more wrestlers. Mm -hmm. We love wrestling. Please come back. We're ready. But in that same position, there's a lot of judgment coming from those wrestlers that like, then they do things that are very odd to me that are against mm-hmm. the code of what they're speaking against. Mm-hmm. And it seems like sometimes we take what they're saying to heart too much. And it's like, we get the profile pic, we see your wrestler, we see your this, but like for us that are out here that are making a living doing this, they're doing it as safely as possible. I literally wear my mask so fucking much. I'm always wearing my mask. I'm a mask person. I wear it to walk mm-hmm. my dog. I wear it to go to the store. I wear it everywhere. Nice. In Georgia, that's not always that common, but I'm always wearing my mask. Because of that, this entire year working as many shows as I have, I've not gotten coronavirus ever. Okay. I get tested every week. I've never gotten coronavirus. There are a lot of people who do get it, who do wear masks. I realize there's an inherent risk. There's a risk to go to the grocery store. There's a risk to walk in a dog. There's a risk constantly with the coronavirus. But when we're doing things like putting on these outdoor shows, we're, we're requiring masks, we're social distancing, we're making you sit with your people, we're taking every risk we can, we're sanitizing the ring in between everything, we're wearing masks backstage, we're requiring testing of the performers. With all that on top of it, it's like, there's still these people who are like, I can't believe y'all are doing this now. And I just want to be like, yeah, like we were, we're going to welcome you back with open arms. You can come be a part of this. There's no reason to take like this negative path right now. Like, ask us what we're doing. Check us on our facts. But when the city of Indianapolis comes and gives us an award for the steps that we took, putting together 12-step programs, putting together these crazy programs and these books that we had to submit to the city and do this over and over Mm -hmm. for them to come to us and be like, this is incredible. Yeah, you know what? There's going to be slips along the way where people don't follow the rules as well and some people get COVID or things happen. But with those things, it's not any greater or less or different than what you would adhere to in common life. People are getting COVID of a lot of different things. Who fucking knows? Mm-hmm. We're doing it our way. We're, we're being as careful as possible. You had WWE and AEW publicly for a while saying, hey, we were following what GCW was doing in regards to their shows, in regards to what's going on. And I remember Ida B and Mitzel's show. Uh, it was the Friday before the show that we were running the first show back in Indianapolis back in June. Mm-hmm. He's going, oh, my God, they're going to kill us. They were roasting him online. Nobody had masks. It was a disaster. It was like, you can wear it if you want. It's June. We're in the heat of this pandemic. And I was like, when they see what you are doing, the tone will shift. And seeing the sanitation, seeing the required masks, seeing the required temperatures, the required testing, the required elders, it's like, we are doing this as much as possible. Like, honestly, if we did it in biohazard suits, it probably would be slightly safer. But to what point and to what end? So far, like a lot of us have said, we're willing to go in, we're taking this risk, we know the risk. We're also going to be as safe as possible. And I'm I'm a masked up dude. I still had my mask making my entrance for my fucking show, you know, like <laughs> on my face. I just left it on. So it's it's uh it's become habit. It's something I don't mess around with. And honestly, I'd have to get tested every week anyway because my boyfriend's like, You better know if you have coronavirus and you're leaving this house. <laughs> fair. fair enough. That's fair. Uh yeah, uh, if I 
Well, I, I just quit, but I re- recently just quit. I worked at a grocery store, so like it's I I get it. It's, you deal with like, everyone. Just, oh yeah, co- yeah. Have, it's it's constantly having having to be careful, constantly having that fear that that you know like anything could happen. But um, I, I I very much I very much like how GCW has been handling it and how every show has been the safest it could possibly be. We went to the collective and we were we were pretty blown away by how like all the way back in October we were pretty blown away by how good mm-hmm. it was over there and yeah. how safe everything felt and how i was i was just i i could just enjoy the wrestling and not have to worry about like oh, you yeah, like too close to me like or it's like oh the people sitting near me don't have a mask on like it wasn't exactly, gonna happen yeah. like you know even performers who were if they weren't in the ring they were masked up it's like mm-hmm. there's only so much you can do to appease people but like it's one thing i've had to say to brett which is if they want to complain about something they're going to do it no matter if you remedy the situation or yeah not. so you either kind of you say, okay, well, I know I've done the best I can do here trying to fix the situation and I move forward, or you just, you know, don't do anything at all because yeah. those are your options. People love I, to complain. Know, I try to send them down a good path, but, you know, there's only so much you can do to appease those people who are, like, not putting money in our pockets anyway. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You do what you can. <laughs> just wear a mask, people. Like Zach. That's all. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like Zach said, people love to complain, especially wrestling fans. Oh, yeah. Oh, they will, they will be salty about something for weeks on end. And there comes a point where I'm like, I, I, I was, I'm all for being salty about stuff, but like after like a day, I'm like, I'm kind of like, I'm over that. It happened. Yeah. I move on. But you know what? Like another thing, COVID has done is like this Twitch thing has blown up for me, and it's also been a really great way to positively connect with everybody in the middle True. of COVID. So like, yeah, like multiple times a week, you could find me. I'm sitting here. We're talking. I'm answering questions. We're like discussing mm-hmm. wrestling. I'm speaking from the heart. We're going. It's a whole new way that's more than like the two seconds if I'm at the merch table that you can like come talk to me and like not feel like you're, you know, over overseeing your welcome and feel weird because there's people behind you and shit. Mm-hmm. It's like you can really just sit and chill and like I'm not, you don't have to smell me. You don't have to like be too close to me. You don't have to be weirded out. I'm here. I'm mm-hmm. chilling. And uh, it's very low key. And it's been wonderful because then like I see people and they're like, I'm so glad you've kept a wrestling show going in, in COVID. I'm so glad you've kept up on doing that. And then like the same people who are like, I'm so glad you guys have like continued to provide a little bit of entertainment in all of this because it's fucking disastrous. Mm-hmm. Like I watched this show called The Mass Dancer. Have y'all heard of this show? The Mass Dancer. Yes. I have okay. not. Sounds That's okay. So they get these D-list celebrities to put on costumes and dance and they learn <laughs> dance routines and they reveal them. But I didn't realize it until the second episode. You got the judges panel, you got the people on stage, and then they got dummies in the audience. And they're using footage of old audience footage of people going like, oh my God, and like cheering and like clapping. (laughs) That is not from this event or filmed at this event. So they're just matching up reaction footage. And I'm sitting here going, is this not more irresponsible than what we're doing? We are showing the people in mass. We are showing the people who are here. They're just like, they're like, guys, there's no pandemic nothing's happening yeah. it's there's nothing to worry about there's six dancers on the stage it's a polyamphils <laughs> here what are you worried about? there's no pandemic and it's just sort of like is ignoring it completely better than like acknowledging the truth that we're dealing with now and like saying here's what we're doing to do this versus like here's this weird alternate reality we created where you don't have to act like this exists and you can go to the store without your mask on because nobody here gives a fuck and we're not even talking about it yeah. yeah, there's a there's a wonderful video on YouTube by a YouTuber named Drew Gooden, and he he goes straight up like into detail about how weird just like that 
whole thing is about how it's like just completely like yeah. showing using old audience footage and just completely just pretending how co like that, that just everything just doesn't exist. It's very and it's odd. Just like Did, just weird you, bubble. No, we can't talk about that on here. But there's a very odd TV show about that as well. <laughs> there's a lot. It's a it's a strange time, and it's like I don't know. I feel like we're we're moving more towards acknowledging the present and what's real, and mm -hmm. that's a better fit. Even as a capitalist, if you're coming in. It's a better fit to acknowledge what's real right now with the consumer if you're paying any fucking attention at all. Mm. Yeah. Uh, that that actually kind of segues into the next question really well, and that's, like, what's, what's your favorite, like, hobby that's not wrestling-related? Like, your favorite non-wrestling hobby? Oh, my God. This is going to sell me out, I think. <laughs> I like... <laughs> um, I like coloring. <laughs> <laughs> coloring is great. I like coloring. I like reading. Uh, I like smoking copious amounts of marijuana. I like walking my dog. I like going to the park. Um, mm -hmm. I'm a very calm, peaceful individual when I'm not wrestling and in the ring and all this. You know, like me and my boyfriend love doing Lego sets together. Uh, you know, we, we, we both like to read a lot. We like to play video games together. Uh, I love old movie theaters. So like Atlanta has been super sick for that. You know, that I've only been able to sneak in for a moment. But the funniest thing is like, I feel safer in a movie theater than I feel anywhere else because there's like two of us in there and we got to sit 12 rows apart or whatever. Nobody's at the fucking movie. I went one time and it is, this was like six months into the pandemic. I was like, fuck it. I'm going to the movies. I don't care. I'll wear my mask. <laughs> I'm tested. I don't give a damn. And I went in and I scanned my thing, AMC. I used to have the pass. I like I used to go to the movies. Like I'd go mm. all the guy. It was three times a week mm. you could go as much as you want. Oh wow! And so I oh went yeah, in, the movie pass. Thing, and they were right? like, "Oh, yeah. you have a free soda." And I was like, "Okay, I have free soda." <laughs> and then they're like, "Oh, you also have a free popcorn." I was like, "Okay, hold on, hold on here." <laughs> How did I not spend any money to get into this movie? And then y'all gave me free stuff. What is happening? This is not the way to get back on your feet, AMC. And that's when I knew the AMC stock was going to fail either way. God. Oh, you got this. Free Take stash. this free stuff. Please come back. Yeah. yeah. Please. Please come back here. We have looking at free time? popcorn and drinks. Anything. <laughs> Maybe. Could you tip? Could we get 5 or $10? No. You chose your path. They like they're like pushing a like a little glass jar towards you with like a like a little quip on it like please oh. please give us money. Oh, no. uh, <laughs> uh, so we since we we here on Independent Waters we are an independent wrestling review show so we couldn't end this we couldn't end this call without talking about a match of yours. Okay, y'all actually watched this uh, match for real? Yep, I watched yes, it. We, match. We, we, I love this uh, we, match. We messaged you. We asked for a match you're you're very proud yeah. of. A match you're most proud of. And you ended up picking uh, you versus Nick Iggy from Southern Underground Pro from the event Not Problematic. It was slightly problematic. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it, I, it was very good, though. I think uh, me, and Zach, me and Zach both watched this match, and I think I, I think I can speak for the both of us when I said we, we really enjoyed yeah. it. We thought it was super fun. Uh it was just a very, it was a very fun, very entertaining, just good match. It was entertaining, yeah. It was, it was really, really good. Entertaining, um, I think, is the right word. I want to like preface it a little bit with like two things, which is one, this is a clear indicator of 
the fact that I had been talking to too many wrestlers at the time because I was so mm-hmm. fucking sick of talking to wrestlers and hearing about all their little wrestling sequences and shit. And it was all so fucking corny. And so I went to Nick Iggy, you know, feeling bitter as a bitch. And I was like, can we just do the dumbest goddamn match of all time? I'm so fucking <laughs> sick of this. And he was like, what do you want to do? And we kept just like goading each other to say dumber things. And that's how this match came together. I was just frustrated. I think he was a little frustrated. And we were like, fuck it. Let's do dumb goddamn shit. I have... Uh, in my career, I have had the weirdest matches of my life in this building. I had this match with Nick Iggy. I had my match with Orange Cassidy. And I had my WCW championship match with a real WCW championship belt in the ring versus Mance Warner that he beat me in, provided by Conrad Thompson. Um, this is a building where weird things happened. And I think this is just the start of that weird journey Second to that, we'll talk about the next part in a minute. I'll let, I'll want to hear your thoughts a little bit about some moments here. All right. Yeah. Yeah. All go right. Ahead, so man. first things first, I didn't know anything about Nick Iggy before this match. So when he walked in as a ringmaster, I was just like, I was there. As many things I was expecting for this match, not one of them at all. But hey, if a turkey or a dead guy or a plumber can be a wrestler, then fuck it. Why not? <laughs> all right. Loved the opening before this match. You were just, you and him were just jawing at each other. Just like there was so much charisma and just character work in that ring that I was like, I'm going to like this match already because it was just fun. It was a fun thing. I thought the vest rip spot was awesome just because of how it just popped off when you ripped it off. I was like, wow, that was. I was nervous to mess his vest up because it was like at least JCPenney caliber, you know? And so I felt bad, but it was like it it built that tension. You need that tension. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, you biting his nipple was that's classic Effie. I was just like, yep, about to be expected. But then I love how he was going to go bite yours and you were like, do it. Do it. I dare you. And he was just like, <laughs> his reactions to yours were perfect. He was just he. It was such a good foil for you because you were just so you and he was the perfect just guy. Yeah. Like, what the and fuck? he's really like that with me in real life. It's very funny because I'm <laughs> always like he is married, happily married. Nothing will ever happen. I will constantly flirt with that boy and test that boy. Nothing has happened. Nothing has come of it. And it's that goading of like, I know I can push you, Nick. And he's like, you can't get shit from me, boy. <laughs> no. What are you, freak? Yeah, of course you would, you nasty freak. Yeah, that 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 chemistry definitely like the fact that you could do that like that's how you act anyway. It definitely came through and it made it feel like 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 natural, but it also was just like you could tell that it was just a fun. It was just a, you guys were both just having a blast in there. Yeah. And I think that that sold me on the match so much more is that you could tell that there was no faking the emotion that was in that ring. It was just all fun. Everyone was having a great time. The crowd was loving it. You guys were loving it. Uh I I just it was just so it was just so, like, honestly, like, in a weird way, like, wholesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, one of my, I think one of my favorite spots is when he had you on the outside. Oh, you're going to tell what you took a talk about. He, he spanked you and then started walking you around so everybody else could do it. And then he let go of you and, like, looked away for a second and then he turned back around and you were just, you just kept going. <laughs> yeah, I like the concept that Effie doesn't always know he's in a fight. And I use this quote yeah. pretty often. And, I, like, there's a fun character development that you get to have in front of people where they're like, okay, here's this little gay boy doing gay things. And this is, you know, a little pre-being woken up and, and enjoying it and pretending to have that suffering, you know pretending that I can't I can't stand it but there's no one leading me but myself into getting my ass spanked by all these strangers 
Let's go. Yes, I loved it. It I was just, like, was like, what are you doing? Very, You're like, I thought, good. thought you were still holding on to me. <laughs> yeah. Oh no. What am I gonna do? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's one of those. How dumb could we make this spot? And I was like, I'll just keep getting spanked. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I I actually want to hear what the thought process was behind the spot where you guys kept like setting up for different moves, but then you would end it by just slapping each other in the face. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I was just thinking about how, like, all these fucking dipshit indie wrestlers we were watching would do these, like, complicated, like, well-known move setups, and then, like, would do these, like, reversals to get out of them and, like, really complicate it more, but, like, it never ended with any impact or anything that looked, like, viable, but they would still sell it. And I was like, let's set up all these fucking false finishers that are, like, iconic-looking moves. And we just, we keep breaking out of them, but we keep just slapping each other because that's, like, that's what they want to see. They want to see hardcore slapping. They used to want to see the cool moves. Now they want to see hardcore strong-style slapping. So we just said, let's finish these moves off. And I think it was one of those things where the timing was good enough where, like, by the time you realize what we're doing, we're done doing it. And you just kind of have to sit down and go like, hold up. Wait, what were those setups on those yeah. moves again? Because that was, wait a second. Because I think there was even like a pedigree slap. Yeah, there was like, a pedigree, a yeah. suplex. <laughs> there was a fireman's There's carry. A slap. Slap. I was just like. Yeah, fireman's, the go to slap. Yep. <laughs> yeah, the go to slap. That's a good name for yeah. it. Dang. Oh. Love the go to slap. That, your reaction was yeah. perfect for me for the pedigree. I was like, wait a second. Like, hold on. Was that just, was that a pedigree? That's just, <laughs> just a slap. I think I think that I think that was even funnier because you did the the phone call spot right before the match where you were like, "Oh, Vince." Oh like, yeah, of course. We had to. Well, the phone call, we had to introduce the phone in some way for the finish. Mm-hmm. Because the yes, finish, yes. I mean, is the shining moment. Now, before we get to the finish, I have to say there's a spot in this match where I'm just viciously humping Nick Iggy's head. Yep. And Oh, yeah. Former WCW jobber and uh valet to Daphne Crowbar was like I would never sell some dumb shit like this. So I like roasted his ass on Twitter over this. <laughs> I basically said, Crowbar, I'm sorry that nobody's actually ever paid to see you on purpose. And the only reason they saw you wrestle was because they were waiting to see Hogan and the NWO. Oh. Oh. And then he was like, he kept going on with it. So someone found, uh, found footage of him selling a Norman Smiley butt hump. <laughs> Like, big selling it, and they were like, you're not even honest here. And Janelle hit me up and was like, he was like, yo, Crowbar's actually a cool dude or whatever. Like, are y'all working or whatever? I was like, he didn't talk to me, bitch, but don't come for me. I don't care your status. I'll wreck your whole life. And I meant what I said. Ain't nobody paid to see you on purpose, bitch. Learn the difference between being a draw and being someone who fills time before I get out on the stage. Damn. So, someone pulled up that gif and was like, this you? Yeah, like, this you? <laughs> this you? I love it. I was in line at Chipotle and I was just like, do I roast this fuck? Yeah, I'm gonna roast this bitch. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, you, met, you mentioned the introducing the phone for the finish, and the finish of this match was, for me, I thought it was re- a really clever way to end this match, where Iggy, Iggy, like, grabs your phone, and he's like, oh, is this yours? Hold on, I got a little present for you, <laughs> and just d- takes a quick dick pic, and you were like, oh, I gotta see! Um, yeah, I wanted to see the dick pic so bad that I got rolled up, <laughs> and right after I get rolled up, you can see, I actually celebrate, because I don't care that I've lost this match. Mm-hmm. I you just care. You were, you were excited. You got the pick. This is the, the weird part about this match is, number one, afterwards I made an announcement. I don't know if it's on the show. It was intermission. 
And I said, you can come take customs picks with me. Just put money in my trunks. And people just came into the ring and put money in my trunks. And took, <laughs> like hot, sexy, touch my body pictures. And I was like, I really am a whore. And second, <laughs> we won match of the year, fan voted match of the year. Uh, and they sent us a trophy and Sup never booked me again, but now I am booked again for Sup. Oh. <laughs> After four long years or whatever, three or four long years, I'm finally booked again for Sup and I'm going to go do horny shit with my friends again. <laughs> That's so funny how awesome. they, they didn't book you and then they were like, I the said, I like yo, yeah, this was match of the year, this one. They and they were like, oh, really, yes. oh my God. <laughs> it was incredible. It's just a- that rules. That's such a... What a turnaround there. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. Four years later, they're um, like, all right. So, Come on. So, Zach, we, this is, we've never done this in front of the person whose match it was, but we got to give this one a rating. Uh, we have our own rating of uh, miss out, met, or mark out. Uh, that's our scale. Uh, miss out is like, eh, whatever. Yeah. Not not important. Met, met isn't bad. When I say met, it's, we were just looking for another M word to go with the miss out and yeah. workout thing. So Met isn't bad. Met is like, oh, this was a solid match. This was really decent, like really, like really entertaining. And then Markout is like absolutely popped, like like went crazy, was awesome, loved it. So we we got to rate this on our scale here. Oh Zach. no, uh, yeah. <laughs> let, 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 hey, it's it's an independent wrestling review show. We got to do All it. Right. Uh, Zach, what? Is, let's let's get your thoughts first. Let's see I was torn on this one. Because I wanted to give it a high meh or a mark out. But I'm going to go with the mark out for this. Simply because of just how much fun I had with this match. Like, I finished this match. This match was like, what, like 10, 12 minutes long? And it, the time flew for me. And that's, that's one of my favorite moments of wrestling. When I can watch a match that's that long. And for me, the time was, was like that, just done. I had so much fun that I didn't even realize how much time had passed. It's just mm-hmm. fun. I... I'm in the same boat as Zach here. Uh, I, I was ready to give it the high meh. And then... Afterwards, I was playing video games and I found myself still laughing at it and still being like, that match was really good. That match was fun. So I'm, I'm also hitting it on that mark out scale. Fuck yeah. it just, like It just like stuck with me, you know, like, like it was just it, it was just so much fun. It was a blast. So, yeah, you definitely get the mark out for both of us on this one. Well, I just uh, want to it was say just like, such a fun match. I think that the juxtaposition works in my favor. And, you know, like I'm always willing to adapt. But like especially being on a show like Soft, where you're expecting this hard hitting action and this like mm-hmm. devastating neck bumping craziness to like be able to stand out in that way and have our own version of the match definitely benefited us in that scenario. And like, that's something I urge all wrestlers to figure out. Like there are wrestling matches where I just wrestled, like I wrestled homicide, like that's crazy and different. And there was a little fuck around, but it was not that ha ha match of silly proportions. Mm -hmm. It's like, read the room, know what you need to do and like know how you need to stand out against what's going on. If everybody's calling a 450 splash, I know nobody's going to believe this. I can hit a 450 with ease. Okay, Ooh. I'll do it one day just to piss everybody off. I'm the first to tell you. To doubt you. <laughs> I can hit a 450 with ease. I have never needed in my career to hit a 450. It would have added nothing to anything I'm doing. Now somebody's going to call me out on it. I'll have to do it. Maybe we'll see. Uh, but, <laughs> but it's always there, Justin. It's case. always there. I listen multiple times, but it's one of those things where it's like ride the juxtaposition, figure out what's not being given to the fans of the show, give them a little bit of it. You know, it's not going to take away from the other matches being hard hitting and crazy and wild. And it's not going to take away from the skill of the grapplers. It's not going to take away from the wrist locks. It's just going to provide a different canvas for you to appreciate it later. It's Orange Sherbert and it's okay to be Orange Sherbert sometimes in between a rack of lamb and a freaking steak, you know? Facts. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
I remember when I first saw you in the collective, I was like, I'm like, I want this guy can go. I'm like, I know that Effie can go because I seen you. I saw you as um, uh, what is it? Uh, what's it? Gaytanic Panic. I saw that match yeah. against the clowns, and I was just like, oh, this match is just or like something like that. I was like, this is a fun match, and I was like, he can have a really good match. We can me. listen. We can all run. Danhausen too. Like he used to be a generic ass wrestler. I love Danhausen. Love. That <laughs> and man. now he's not. He lost his mind. I tell people, I'm like, lose your fucking mind. Mm-hmm. Lose your brain. For stop thinking about what these dumb motherfuckers will think about you. If they'll call you for their tryout. If they'll give you the. Just do what you want to do. Like the boy's got a shirt in Hot Topic now, and he was talking to me four <laughs> years ago about I can't do this shit anymore. I can't do it. And he was right. He couldn't do the shit he was doing. But he did something different, and now, you know, like, he's CM Punk or whatever, working at the CM Punk factory. Yeah. He had the, the CM Punk-style mm-hmm. shirt, too, which was yeah. really funny. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, yeah it's, it's, versatile is what I would describe as, as fun and versatile. I want to be utility, man. Yeah. I want to fit in wherever you need it. You get hired more that way, fun fact. If you can... like... You... <laughs> <laughs> Effie is like the Swiss Army knife. Yeah. The indie wrestling what world. do you need? Like, whatever you need, you got Deathmatch, it. Deathmatch, sure. I can... Yeah, why not? Look, Look I think I'm going to have to bleed a lot in this fucking Atticus Kogar <laughs> match coming up, and that's just part of the gig, baby. He's oh, trying yeah. to get me to join 440, and I'm fucking... I'm not into that shit. Those guys suck. <laughs> <laughs> I used to be friends with all those guys, but now it's like... They just want to talk about uh, Ricky. Do you see what oh, Ricky man. did? Ricky went to Japan. Ricky's the champ. Do you see what Ricky did? Like, Eddie, only shut the fuck up. <laughs> I don't care. I'm sorry, it's tough. Hey, no worries. I, so, I mean, that's, I mean, that, we, we, we got all of our questions and stuff out of the way. Uh, yeah, we, we, we got everything we wanted to talk about out of the way. So we just want to, right now, we just want to give you the floor for any plugs, anything coming up. Uh, let the people know what's going on in your life. Dude, I have so much coming up. I've got GCW in Atlantic City on March 6th. I've got, uh, support all pro wrestling in Spokane, Washington. It's going to be live on Twitch. You can check my Twitter for info on that on February 27th. I've got, uh, I've got, I've got the collective coming up. Holy shit. So oh, the collective yeah. is April 8th through 10th. I have a show Saturday the 10th. If you want to stream it from your house, just watch naked and get drunk. Do it. It's 11 a.m. Effie's Big yeah. Brunch 2. Because there was Effie's Big Gay Block. So this is the second Effie's Big Gay Brunch, which is the third mm. gay event in a year of no wrestling, right? Like, yes. come on. We're the gays have put their working shoes on. They're like, we're used to wearing protection. We're tired. Let's go. Like, we just do it. What do we do? Wear a mask and a test? Honey, that's every week. Let's go. You know, it's we're working it. Uh, and check me out on Twitch. Every Monday night at 8 p.m. Eastern, I have a Twitch show called Monday Not Raw. We wear protection, as I mentioned earlier. We watch independent wrestling for over three hours, depending on how stoned I am. And we have a good ass time. It's, it's fun. Sounds good. And that's at uh, twitch.tv slash Effie Lives, right? Yes, everything is Effie Lives. The pro wrestling tees, the Twitter, the Instagram, the Twitch, uh, the LinkedIn, uh, all that shit. Gotcha. Cool, cool, cool. All right. Well, uh, then then that brings us to our plug. Oh, so go check out here, here on the here on the Countout Network. Go check out yes. all of our shows. We have we have a whole a whole host of new shows. We have Independent Waters as usual every Wednesday, which you're here right now listening. So thanks. Uh, we have Hit the Books every Friday, our uh, SmackDown and Raw uh, fantasy oh booking show, where me and Ryan Nicey book uh, book SmackDown and Raw in our own way every single week with our own rosters and our own pay per views, all that stuff. Uh, we have How to Talk to Your Friend about wrestling every Thursday. We got uh, your dose of death every Tuesday. So go check out all the shows here on the Countout Network. Go subscribe. Uh, 
Yeah, we have five five shows on our on our network right now. Uh, we're we're knocking it out of the park. We're oh, and G one and only Ryan's uh, New Japan show, of course. Uh, yeah. So go check out all of those shows. Uh, here on the Countdown Network. Subscribe. Uh, leave that five star review over on iTunes. We would really appreciate it. And uh, well, I guess that's everything out of the way. So there's only one thing left to say for this show, and that is always remember there's a gigantic sea of independent wrestling out there. So never stop exploring. This has been a Countout Podcast. Hi, guys. This is Lauren. This is Michael. And this is your Dose of Death Podcast. If you're genuinely curious about the world of deathmatch wrestling, look no further as me and Mike have you covered on all things in the world of deathmatch wrestling, whether it's interviews, show reviews, or everything in between. We have you covered on all things deathmatch wrestling, whether it's past, present, or future. And you're probably wondering where you can go support us. You can find Your Dose of Death podcast on all major podcast platforms, especially along with the Count Out Network of Podcasts. And also, you can support us on the Count Out Patreon, as we have exclusive content only on the Patreon for all of our listeners. We hope that you go listen to Your Dose of Death podcast very soon. And see you at the shows.